Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Welcome this morning. We're really glad you're here. Um, It's a great place to be. The family of God is amazing. I don't know where I'd be in my life without the family of God and the people that have walked with me um, over, over the years. So we're in the beginning, middle, end, I don't know. Uh, of our series, The End. <laughs> so God has really been speaking to us and just just um, encouraging us to show how the focus needs to be Jesus. And so as we begin this morning, let's just pray together. God, I thank you so much for your word. Open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say and to your word that we wouldn't leave the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I felt like this week I already got little sleep, and then by the weekend I'm like, well, it's just not going to happen anyway. So a few hours here and there should, should do, and maybe one day I'll get a nap, try to sneak a nap in today. Even though it's second Sunday and time change, you still have to come because it's worth it. And you can sleep when you're dead. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I tell myself. Um, so last week, Pastor Travis spoke a message called, it's, it's not enough to be ready, or something like that. It's not enough to be ready. And um, just encouraging us that as Christians, our relationship with Jesus, it becomes less about ourselves and more about people that don't know him. And it's not about packing your bags and just hiding out until Jesus comes back. So it shouldn't really matter to us where we are in the timeline of Jesus coming back because it, it shouldn't cause us to just wait around. And so um, that's, that's still very, very true. And so even though I'm going to talk about something totally opposite, me and Travis aren't fighting. I mean, I'm not going to talk about opposite of what he shared, just opposite of his title. So mine is, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> So we're not fighting. Everything's okay. We don't disagree. Our doctrine matches each other. But I want you to think about today, am I ready for Jesus to return? So if you didn't hear the message last week, it all still applies and you really need it. So you can listen to it on the app. You can catch up because we can't fit the whole entire Bible into Sunday morning, right? But over time, we begin to grow and we begin to get an understanding of the overall um, structure and framework of God's word. Have you seen that meme on social media or a t-shirt that says, normal isn't coming back, Jesus is. Normal isn't coming back, but Jesus is. And I think that these days people tend to avoid talking about the fact that Jesus is coming back. Or they tend to talk about all the weird stuff that might be attached with that. You know, it's like, let's not talk about that. It's a little bit awkward. I don't, I don't want people to feel like, oh, I don't want to talk about the things that make people uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about the fact that the Bible mentions we need a relationship with Jesus to spend eternity with God. I don't want to talk about the fact that there, there's a final judgment. I'd rather just talk about love and grace and all the things that make someone feel good. But without understanding the concept of God's judgment and his grace, we have to, 
we have to understand judgment because grace means so much more if we understand what he saved us from, right? And, and why would anyone I tell um, about Jesus, why would they want to change their life if I just make it seem like, ah, yeah, Jesus is cool. Follow him. It's easy. It's awesome. No, he asks us to change, to turn from some things. But we don't like to talk about that, do we? Or if we do, we want to get weird and predict all the things about the future. I remember when I was little, my parents used to have a Bible study in their house, and there was a, a big, scary old man who I perceived knew everything about Jesus and the Bible. And we got sent to bed early in those days. I don't know if there's any kids in this room that get sent to bed early because their parents are having friends over a Bible study. And we just had to lay in our beds wide awake reading books and trying not to overhear what they were talking about. And at that time, a lot of the teaching was actually pretty fear-based. You know, there were things happening in the world, and there were, oh, government changes, and everybody's wondering, like, what's happening? And so they would dive into the book of Revelation, and, and there was just so much fear centered around those thoughts when I was young. And I remember I had asked Jesus into my life, into my heart, probably when I was four or five years old, but I had no sense of assurance of salvation. Every single night I would lay in bed and be like, oh God, just forgive me of all my sins, and I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say, Jesus, but, but I really want to make it to heaven. And so every night it was like a fear about, am I going to heaven? Like, what if I don't? What if, what if Jesus doesn't forgive me? What do I even need to be forgiven of at four years old? I don't know. You know, every year, just like Tyson said today, every year at camp, I give my life to Jesus. Because I think somehow we're just walking along and we have an encounter, but we don't really understand that he wants to change our life and he wants to walk with us. Has anybody else experienced the feeling of, of not knowing for sure? Not knowing for sure? You know, you might be here today and feel like, I just don't know if I'm ready. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be ready if Jesus came back. So I believe that today God wants to bring clarity and assurance to some of you. He wants to bring a clarity and an assurance to some of you. You can be ready for Jesus to come back. And maybe for others of you, maybe you're like my parents who just didn't have the answers. You know, maybe God wants to bring clarity to you today so you can help someone else. Maybe you're like, I'm good. I, I'm going to heaven one day, but I don't know how to share that. I don't know how to explain that to someone else who's struggling. So I think, you know, when we, when we have to wrestle through those questions, those are the things that drive us closer to God. Because we have to go to him. The disciples, Jesus would speak in parables, and he'd say, whoever has an ear to hear, whoever has an eye to see. And they had to go to him to find out. The unbelievers' hearts just got hardened more. The believers, they, they pressed in more to Jesus because they didn't understand. What did that mean? I feel like every time I read Revelation, I'm like, oh, dear Jesus, help me. I don't feel very smart. Like, I, go, I have to dig into my Bible school training and the people around me that are smarter than me because it's actually not meant to be confusing or scary but we have to understand the framework 
We have to understand that it points to things in the Old Testament, that it's always pointing us towards Jesus. The story of grace is woven throughout the Bible. If I read Revelation just thinking of like the current events and what I see in the news, I'm going to get pretty confused. We need people to help us sometimes. Just like me this week, I was doing my taxes. I dislike that job so much. And I do not feel smart when I do it. Like, I spend days, and, and there's days where I'm like, I just know nothing. I feel like, does anybody else not, like, ever feel dumb? I feel like you guys, I've lost you guys. I, I don't know. Like, I, whatever it is for you, maybe you're a tax whiz, but I just sit there and I'm like, I know, I know nothing. And I have to begin to read on the CRA, and I have to begin to learn about my program, and I have to ask other people that know. And at some point, I just called Mercy this week. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> my software program had a glitch, and it really messed me up because I just thought it was all me. It turns out I wasn't the crazy one the program was. But, you know, the Bible is like that. Sometimes we need to dig deeper. Sometimes we need to involve other people, other training. And so as we consider the end and the series that we're in, I want to encourage us and remind us we need to look at the sum total of God's Word. We can't just pick out verses. We can't just pick out things that we see with our natural eyes. So don't be afraid of help. Don't be afraid of wise teaching. You know, all the Bible scholars in the world, they've poured hours into that. I mean, I do taxes once a year. These, these accountants, they do it all year long. Bible scholars, they're trained to look at God's Word, to, to understand the Greek and the Hebrew and, and the overall picture so we can get help. And we also have to understand everywhere we look in the Bible... We need to let Scripture interpret Scripture. We've talked about that, right? And so God's Word isn't just for the future. It's for the now. It's, it's for the past. God is faithful now. God was faithful, and He will continue to be faithful. He's faithful. God who was and is and is to come. And so, again, we have to, we have to remember that the book of Revelation, it's not just about um, appeasing our curiosity for future events, for predicting the future. There's more references in the Old Testament in Revelation than there is in all of the New Testament. I think they, I didn't really verify this, but 404 verses in Revelation um, is, is what I read, and, and over 500 allusions to the Old Testament. The more I get into my Bible the more those things come to mind when I'm reading, right? The more I'm able to see the symbolism, the more I'm able to see the past prophetic words and how they apply together. I didn't figure that out 20 years ago when I first gave my life to Jesus. It becomes a lifetime of learning and absorbing God's Word. And so we want to encourage you, like Pastor Travis said, read the Bible again for the first time. It's amazing how many things you think you know, and then as you're reading, you're like, wait a minute. I don't know where they got that from, or I, don't, I didn't understand that correctly. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 6 to 9, I want to read about the marriage of the Lamb. Now, there's so much symbolism in the Bible, and especially in Revelation. It's written by John, and so one of the things that I've been doing is just going back to reading John as I'm reading Revelation. And you can see the theme, uh, Jesus as the Lamb of God. He's 
um, our manna. He's, he's uh, the, bride, the bridegroom is even in there. There's so many parallels because of the authorship that it's really cool if you can begin to dig in. So verse 6 says, And I heard a sound like the great roar of a multitude, like the rushing of many waters, and like a mighty rumbling of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Even today as we were singing the songs, so many scripture verses came to my mind and just caused me, my spirit to be excited. We're talking about Jesus coming back. We're singing hallelujah to the Lamb of God, the God who, the God Almighty who reigns all throughout scripture. It points us to worship him. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. You can't read these things and only see literal. I mean, I've seen kittens dressed up and stuff with little girls, but, but like I've never really seen anyone have a marriage ceremony with the lamb and the sheep on our farm. We have to look a little deeper. For the marriage of the lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. She was given clothing of fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen she wears is the righteous acts of the saints, then the angel told me to write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. So when we understand that Jesus is the Lamb that was slain, that throughout the Bible, even, even Old Testament, it began to give allusion to that, that Jesus was going to be the sacrifice once and for all, that we don't have to shed blood to enter into God's presence. We don't have to follow all the rules and regulations. He set us free from that. And then we can see that, that the church, people who put their trust in Christ, are referred to as the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. Those, those of us who have said yes to Jesus, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited. I think we have to remember that, that we're all given that opportunity. At Young Adults over the last couple of weeks, We've been talking about Jesus knocks on our door, and then the picture um, that was given in Alpha, the series that we've been going through, said, but the, the handle's on the inside. You get to decide if you're going to open the door. And so in the last two weeks, we've had two people open the door to Jesus in their life. <laughs> Decided to make him the boss of their life and follow him. Let him change them. There's so many references in the bridegroom that actually um, let us know that, that Jesus is God, that he was, uh, he's preparing for us. I don't have time to go into all of them, but you can read about them. Verse 8 describes the bride's dress. You know, if you've ever been to a wedding, especially if you're a girl or you have girls around you, if someone else missed it, it's like, what did the dress look like? Like, don't, don't miss that part when you're telling me about it if I wasn't able to be there. What kind of dress did she wear? Did you take a picture? You know, let me see. Everybody wants to see the dress. And so I love thinking about that. The church clothed in white, the righteousness of God. Jesus gives us the very nature, his very nature, his righteousness becomes ours. You know, if, if you study the context of, of the culture and the days of the time, I can't keep it all straight, but, but I love thinking about, about it and, and reading about it. 
thinking about a dowry that used to come ahead of the wedding that and then the bridegroom would come and and claim the bride he'd later take her to the his father's house where the wedding would take place and then he'd return with the bride to celebrate the wedding feast Jesus paid a price for his bride Jesus paid a price he paid the price with his life and someday he's coming back it doesn't matter what day but he is coming back he's coming back and he's going to escort us to heaven and he's going to present us there spotless and pure not because of what I've done I mean I've, I've done some great things I've done some pretty terrible things and so I love I love the idea that the clothes are given but the bride has to put them on you know we have to put on the righteousness of Christ it's sitting there but you get to decide what you're gonna do with it and so when Jesus presents us I don't want it to be based on me you know the Bible says for all have sinned we've all fallen short of the glory of God but Jesus and what he did for us took our sin the payment of our sin was on him the bride of Christ has made herself ready for the bridegroom and that symbolism and imagery is beautiful we're separated now but we will be together again when Travis and I were dating oh, I I have a a whole stack of cards I even brought them but I'm not gonna pull them out like a whole stack of cards and letters that we wrote to each other because he took a really long time to ask me to marry him just saying throw that out every once in a while <laughs> and so there was a lot of time where we could write love letters to each other get to know you letters and I treasure those letters so much I'm actually gonna get them bound into this little book I've been looking at it because I want to I want to keep these I don't just want them in a bin they're special to me and it reminds me of, of God's Word to us it's his love letter to us you know in the meantime when we're not together read this you're gonna find out more about me you're gonna find out my deep love for you and then when you forget, like, you know, Travis and I had a little bit of a uh, blip in the relationship last week where I was a little bit annoyed at him it rarely happens because he's he's so great and I mean that but I started like reading those cards and he wrote me a song in one of those letters so I told him he should put it to music and sing it to me I'm sure he will <laughs> but but it just was like I can't be mad at I can't be mad at this guy it doesn't matter if I don't understand right now look at the love he has for me and God's Word is like that for us his love letter to us we need to to read it and remind ourselves what he thinks about us what he says about us we need to put on his righteousness and and I loved what we were singing today even I'm, I'm blessed I'm healed I'm whole I may not always feel that you know just like in the natural I might not always feel the things that Travis thinks about me I need to be reminded sometimes of of who I am and who I am to him okay so last week 
you guys were all going to read Matthew 24 and 25, so I'm sure you all did. Oh, yeah, some of you did. If you didn't, you can still read it. The Bible's still there. It hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> it's there for you. Read Matthew 24 and 25. Um, Matthew 24, remember the disciples were asking Jesus about what would be the sign of his coming in the end of the age. And so Jesus is speaking to them, and he's saying, it's going to be like the days of Noah. It's business as usual. Everybody's eating. Everybody's marrying. Um, they're carrying on. And they didn't understand in those days that judgment, the judgment of the flood, would come. And we don't know the time, but there is a reward for people who are ready. Jesus is saying this. And, and chapter 25 just carries on. It, it's, it's the same context. It carries on, and Jesus is, is sharing three parables that help us get ready for his return. I think we always think we have more time, you know, in life. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that next week. I'll, once I get this taken care of, we just have this habit of, of thinking more time is coming down the line. But we don't know. In verse 1 of Matthew 25, it's the parable of the ten virgins. I want to read it to you. It says, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. Again, if you read the Bible with understanding of, of the symbols and the, and the overall context, even the word oil, you could spend days understanding, right? We're not going to do that today, but, it, but it's amazing. They didn't take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, verse 4, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. You know, do you wonder why the Bible says, wake up, sleepers? Sometimes we just become drowsy. I become drowsy when I have too much to do. It's like, ah, I'm so tired. Sometimes we're just bored, become drowsy. Verse 6, at midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Other translations say the door was shut and locked. Later, verse 11, the, the others also came. Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. The most important thing about being prepared for the return of Jesus is knowing Jesus. That's the most important thing. The most important thing about being prepared for the return of Jesus is knowing Jesus. And Jesus is the one who gave that percentage that when he returns, half the church won't be ready. Five out of ten of the virgins didn't know Jesus. That's what he said. I don't know you. There, there does come a time where it's too late. The door's shut. You've got to open it now. Today's the day of salvation. 
You gotta open that door. And I think it, it's probably true today, and, and you can read a bunch of surveys. Barn always does surveys on churches that show a large percentage, even bigger than 50%, don't believe certain things, like that the Bible is true, that it's the authoritative word of God, that Jesus is coming back, all of those things. And so it's likely true as a whole that, that 50% of Christians might sit in a church and call themselves Christians. They might check the box on the census form. Might be their religion or a noun that they identify with, but they don't actually know Jesus. And I would say that was pretty true for me by the time I entered junior high and through high school. Like I could check the box, but did I really know Jesus? No, I didn't. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. And so if you don't know Jesus, you're not prepared for him to come. And so I want to give you some thoughts on how you can know if you're ready for Jesus. How do you know that you have a relationship with Jesus? Knowing that the most important thing about being prepared for the return of Jesus is knowing him. So number one... How you can know if you're prepared, if you're ready. Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life? Have you said out loud with your mouth, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. You're in charge. You're the boss. There's no formula. But have you ever done that? Have you confessed with your mouth? And then the second thing is, well, I, Romans 10, 9 and 10, actually, just says both of them. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know, there's an assurance we can have. That's one of the things that we can know. I'm ready. I have done that. I absolutely give Jesus lordship of my life, and I believe in my heart that he died, that he rose again. You'll be saved. It's with your heart you believed and are justified, and with your mouth that you profess and are saved. If, if Jesus wasn't raised from the grave, if we don't believe that, then his death is meaningless. It sets him apart from all the other gods because none of them were ever raised from the dead. It shows the, the authority and the, and the fact that Jesus is God. Do you believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead? The next thing, has there been a change? 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. If, if we are preparing, if we're prepared, if we're ready for the return of Jesus, we can know because we'll see a change in our life. There's, there's, there's something that changes when you enter a relationship with Jesus. When I gave my life to Jesus, 18 years old, there was a complete change. I wasn't the same person. So much so that my friends didn't want to hang out with me anymore. 
Turns out they only liked me when I went to the places they went and did the things they went. They didn't like the new me. That happens sometimes. It's pretty lonely. I've told you before, my brother and I ended up having to have Friday night loser night because I had no one to go out with, no friends where I lived. And we would <laughs> go to Safeway and buy a pack of Dinah Sours, make popcorn, and sometimes he'd even make milkshakes until I told him, like, I can't work out enough for this plan. Uh, we got to cut the milkshakes. The dinosaurs and the popcorn, still kind of a tradition in my life. <laughs> Maybe it's Sour Patch Kids. Once in a while, Kate. Stefan, if you're watching, it's not often. <laughs> it's one of our doctor friends that helps us. <laughs> um, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> okay, so where am I? I'm going to have a drink. Just edit that part out. I don't, I don't want them to know. <laughs> there are things in my life that weren't in alignment with God's word. There are things that had to change. And so again, back to what I was referring to in the beginning, why, why present a watered-down gospel? It's like following Jesus, you got to turn from some things. It, the Bible's not just about predicting the future. It, the, the prophetic words throughout are actually all about turning us to repentance and turning us toward Jesus. So, so if we never share that there has to be a turning, what's the point? You know, there has to be a turning. There has to be a change. And so you can know that you're ready if there's been change in your life. Because if nothing has changed since you've become a Christian, something isn't right. If you, if you truly have a relationship with Jesus, there will be changes. There's changes when we surrender, when he becomes the Lord of our life. It's not just a magic prayer that we pray once and then carry on doing our own things, you know? It's not just, it's not just a throw it up there and hope. No, the Bible's clear. There's assurance in salvation. There's always a turning and a running. There's always a, 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 a turning back to Jesus. And the father runs to us. If you know the, the story of the prodigal son, God runs to us. Jesus wants relationship with us. And I was thinking as we were worshiping today, I feel like I, I just remember when I had an encounter with Jesus, one of the things that changed for me was worship. Like, I don't care anymore what you think of me. I know I'm kind of old to be jumping around and, and dancing, but the Bible said, praise him. Dance in his presence. Lift your hands. You know, I never used to lift my hands. I cared way too much about the people beside me and what they were thinking of. Turns out they weren't thinking of me. They're not thinking of you either. There, there, would be a there was a change in my worship where, where there was abandonment. Like, I understood. I, I understand what you did for me, Jesus, and I just can't thank you enough for the cross. So, you know, it probably started out here, and then some, some of you, are, you don't want others to know. And I get that, because that's where I was. But, but because I'm so convinced of God's word and what Jesus did for me, I, I, I tell him, I'll, I'll make a fool of myself all the days of my life. I'll dance in your presence. I'll raise my hands. I'll sing. I'll shout. Because I was changed. That wasn't who I was before. I wouldn't be caught dead lifting my hands in worship because I, I would feel like I would die of embarrassment. 
Has there been a change? The next thing, do you hear God's voice? John chapter 10, you can read, read about it more. I'll read some of it. Chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. When we become a believer, we can hear God's voice. We begin to get to know him. We begin to get to know his heart, his will. He speaks to us. I find the problem is we don't usually like what he has to say. Because we're going to God saying, speak to me. I need to know what university to go to. I need to know who I'm going to marry. I need to know what to do with my business. What's going to happen in the next few weeks? What's going to happen with my mortgage? What's going to happen with the world? And God's like, hey, I asked you to get baptized. He speaks to us. Or he's like, that thing you're doing, it's not working for you. I need you to stop looking at that. I need you to stop thinking like that. And we stiff arm him and push him away because we don't want to hear those things. We want the big fancy things. Simple obedience, but we will hear his voice. We will hear his voice. His sheep hear his voice. Have you received God's word? The parable of the ten virgins, the the lamps, there's symbolism with, with God's word. Five of them would not they didn't receive, you know. They didn't, didn't have the oil in their lamp. My, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. Have you received God's word? Do you trust it as the authority in your life? Because if you're ready for Jesus, that's one of the things you can know. I, I believe God's word is true. And again, somewhere between 50% and 70%. 79% of people don't believe that God's word is authoritative and true, depending on the specific question that's asked. You can't, you can't believe in Jesus and reject God's word. You can't believe that there's a more important source in your life because Jesus is the word. Right, John 1, you know that, we've talked about that. You can't reject that. Do you hear his voice? And the last thing today that I want to think about is we think about preparing for Jesus and the, the big celebration day. Another thing that can give us assurance is do you love God's family? Do you love the church? John 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It's another, another way we can, we can know, yeah, I'm ready for Jesus. I love his church. I love his people. You know, you don't have to be a pastor or stand up at the front of the church to be a leader, to, to love people, to love his church. 
if you're, if you're talking smack about the church, do you know Jesus? And I don't just mean this church. But my husband doesn't even let my kids say something bad about me. Imagine Jesus and God. That's my bride. You don't get to talk about the church as the worst thing ever. No. The bride of Christ. Do you love God's family? Do you love his church? My life would be very different outside of the church. I would live, I did live my life very differently outside of the church. It's these people that have helped me walk through some difficult times. I don't think I could make it as a Christian without other believers in our life and other friends. And I actually don't believe you can either. We need each other. The band can come up. I want us to think about, about those things. You know, I think for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to fulfill my destiny if it weren't for other believers and other Christians that walked with me. I wouldn't have changed. And Friday night, loser night, I mean, there was only so long I wanted to hang out with my brother every Friday. My sister was a little cooler. She had some youth group friends, so she went to youth group on Fridays. You should get in the house of God. You should bring your kids to youth group so they can develop friendships and relationships that will help them in their walk. Are you ready? It's not church attendance that saves us. There's benefits to that, like I just said. You know, it's not reading your Bible that saves you, which, of course, is great. But today, I think every one of us can settle that question. Am I ready for Christ's return? for Jesus to come back, every one of us can have the knowledge that it can be a yes. I am. And so, can you stand with me? As we kind of end it and reflect and, and pray, if this is identifying with you, no matter how old you are, no matter how many years you've been attending church, if it's, if it's in your heart today, because God is speaking to you, that you need to commit your life to Jesus, do it today. Do it today. Not out of fear, not because of all the weird stuff, because of his love for us. Because the word of God is true, it's living and active. I remember sitting in a church service and just the feeling of knowing God was speaking to me. I believe that's happening to some of you this morning. If you want to commit your life to him, today can be the day. And let's just pray together if that's you. 
in your own words or you can pray the words that I'm praying. Jesus, I commit my life to you. I confess with my mouth that you're Lord. I want you to be in charge of my life. Thank you for the cross that you died and that you rose again. I believe that in my heart. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. I'm turning to you, Jesus. I'm turning aside from, from the old things, and I want to be a new creation. I want to be raised in Christ. New life with you. Help me to walk this out. Just spend a couple minutes and like we always do, we're going to sing one more song. And, and if you would like prayer for any reason, or if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe after many years of not, not actually knowing Jesus, I want to challenge you to come forward for prayer and tell someone today. If you've been challenged or you need assurance of salvation, just receive what God has for you today. And together, let's just spend a minute asking God, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today through this message? And what do you want me to do with what I've just heard? Leave this place today without the absolute certainty of knowing that you're ready for the return of Jesus. As they begin to sing, feel free to come forward, or maybe you came with someone and you just want to turn to them and say, hey, would you pray for me? Or this is what spoke to me today, or come to the front with me. Be brave. Your life will never be the same. Lord, we bless each person pray that you continue speaking, that your word would not return void. We thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.